This is a main hustle media podcast. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on Black Radical Queer. Yeah. Hey y'all, this is Javia Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. This is Javi Nicole. Welcome to another episode of Black Radical Queer Podcast. Um, This is the final episode of season two. And um, for this episode, I wanted to um, circle back to a topic that I have touched on before. I don't I haven't like dedicated an episode to it or whatever, but it has come up um, in different conversations um, and topics on the podcast. But it um, has kind of returned to the forefront of my mind just because of some recent developments, I guess, in my life. So my wife and my sister-in-law and I have been house hunting. And so um, we go to look at places. And then sometimes it's been just me and my wife going to the places. Sometimes it's been all of us. Sometimes um, my mother-in-law has been with us. So um, in that experience, it's like the way that we're perceived when we enter um, enter the spaces or whatever, it's, it's not like folks assume that we're together. And um, so, I mean, of course, like, you know, you don't automatically know kind of what someone's relationship is to one another just by seeing them. But we also tend to get the same, uh, we're perceived in the same way most of the time which is typically what people ask is, are we sisters? And that's um, pretty much the same if it's just us two or if it's other people or whatever, Um, which I mean, we get that outside of looking at places, you know, house hunting too. Um, But it's just interesting to me. So I have um, Courtney on with me today because that was just one um, aspect of erasure that I wanted to talk about. And then I also talked about it with another former guest, um, Sarah. It's kind of something that's more specific to her uh, identity, though. So anyway, um, I'll turn it over to Courtney so she can say who she is and all that good stuff. I mean, um, for folks who've been listening to the show, they already know who she is. Um, but I can't assume that for every person, this you know they've been listening or whatever for a long time. So I'll give her the opportunity to do that, and then we can talk to y'all about our um our house hunting experience i suppose hello everybody um it's me the people's champ courtney oh god here we go they already know what it is if you don't know what it is go back and listen to all the episodes get your life come back and meet me here what okay i'm the wife well, I guess she the wife this time because we did a previous tape that we had to start over, and she said she was single and looking to mingle. So I don't know, but um, statement still stand. Anyway, um, so you know, if you want me to ship her to <laughs> you, um, that's fine. You are gonna have to pay for shipping and handling though, because I'm not paying for that shit. So I'm out here. Um, you know, 
whatever works. Um, I'll ship, ship a black lesbian to you anyway. So as we've been going to these, so like, um, over the course of the year, I've been talking about, you know, just like centering yourself, um, really, uh, embracing your identity and being unapologetic. But we've also talked about, you know, circumstances where folks aren't necessarily always able to do that or times where, you know, that identity is erased by the people around you or whatever. So it's something that I think it's always relevant, but for me, I mean, I'm pretty out. So I don't necessarily feel um, like my identity is erased like a lot, a lot like there. I mean, I, I feel like I have a lot of control over it and I pick and choose um, if I feel like it's, you know, relevant or whatever, but I don't hide it. Um, but in this process, you know, if us looking for home, we've been asked so many times if we're sisters, which is very interesting to me because we don't look anything alike. But clearly <laughs> that is the only option. I don't know. I don't know what your take is. Um, a lot of times there's been more than just the two of us. And so I think generalized guess is like, are you sisters? Because sometimes been me, you, my mom, sometimes been me, you, Kalita, um, Not me, you, and Daisha. Well, at first, it was me with Kalita. Yeah, or me, Daisha, and Kalita, and then me, you, Daisha, and Kalita, or me, you, Daisha. So, um, I know most of the time it hasn't been just me and you, but I'm trying to, you know, pinpoint when it's just me and you. I don't even remember. You know what I mean? It's been these all these weekends starting to blur together, but yeah, we get the sisters questions a lot. Um, we get that anyways. You know, it is what it is. Um, when I'm with my mother, she kind of introduces us for us. Um, well, so that's this, also this. too, because she's a realtor. So like if we're at a place and someone, you know, then sometimes it's like the agent talking to her cause she's another agent. So, you know, they're just kind of having that conversation like, Oh, you know, she's like, Oh, this is, you know, my daughter and my daughter-in-law or mm-hmm. something like that. Or these are my daughters and this is my daughter-in-law. So she will, automatically kind of say that um but if it's just us two um i think you know we have to kind of just decide on the spot like okay are we going to correct this person or are we gonna even get into that conversation or you know because it's like is it that is it that deep or you know it just i think it just kind of depends um I think sometimes we have to balance um, being out and being safe. And I don't mean safe like, oh, this is like some imminent threat or something, but just like even just being um, mentally safe in terms of not wanting to have to go through a lot with somebody or not want not wanting to be in like an awkward situation or whatever um, by correcting someone. Because on one hand, it's like, okay, well, this definitely not my sister. But on the other hand, sometimes I just don't feel like <laughs> like going through all of that. I'm just like, okay, we just about to go. It, you know, in the grand scheme of things, how much does this matter in this moment? Mm-hmm. You know? So sometimes I think it just depends on mood. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, for me, proving our relationship to strangers is not important. Um, nine times out of ten, I'll never see these people again. I don't care what they think, and 
it's safer to it's safer to um let them think what they think rather than confront them. Yeah. I mean we both have a wedding ring, so I don't know where our niggas are at if they assuming we married to niggas that ain't there. Are we out? <laughs> I know we're just out together house hunting and I guess we left the husbands at home even though I mean we have matching rings like they're not the same ring but I mean our rings match each other and you know and my ring looks more feminine and yours look more masculine um I don't know <laughs> like I don't know and they may not even be paying attention to that but context clues my neck. yeah but I feel like context clues yeah but sometimes I feel like it's so people just can't even fathom it's just like oh well you must be sisters or you must be like related because they don't even it don't even enter into your mind that we I think maybe we just don't look like what the idea of even a lesbian looks like to them what do you mean like because we don't look like Shane and Shane and Alice (laughs) are you supposed to look white (laughs) you know what I mean like okay I feel like if Shane walked in with a woman you know what I mean? Even if it was a black woman ashamed, maybe they would be like, oh, okay, they're together hmm. and they're gay. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you don't look like what they would expect a lesbian to look like. And maybe I don't either. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, why? Because I look femme? But I don't always look femme when we no, go no, no. out. I, I just feel like whatever, if you don't encounter or interact with lesbians often whatever you have in your mind what a lesbian looks like is what you assume so maybe even like for maybe what a black lesbian looks like maybe that's not what they you know what i mean maybe they're thinking i mean i don't know who's a famous black lesbian i don't know but my thing is the thing to me is are there famous black lesbians? The, uh, is that the issue? Lena Waithe. <laughs> I mean, but even but she's that, like for older, new. yeah, like for yeah. even for older people, like, do they think of Lena Waithe? Probably I mean, not. I feel like for older people, what I have seen, um, and I don't know if it's different out here, but I know definitely in the South, what they um, what they think of is masculine. They think butch, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not to say that I never look butch when we go look at a property. Like or you know what I'm saying or more masculine or whatever. I mean, just not super girly. Like sometimes I wear dresses or whatever, but there's other times where you don't know. I have on a hat, sweatpants or pants. You know what I'm saying? Just like it's not a dress. So mm-hmm. or we could be dressed similarly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think that um, too. It's just of course like our world um, is so heteronormative that. I just don't think people even kind of factor that into their realm of possibilities. They just like automatically default to sisters, not even cousins, which is it was weird because, um, well, to for me in previous uh, relationships, I did get that sister, the sister's question sometimes. And I also got cousins <laughs> because when you look alike. So, you know, it's like, oh, are y'all cousins or something? So, yeah, because we did for not me, look like sisters. Like cousins, I feel like you're asking, okay, are y'all gay? That's basically what you're asking me. Because hmm. what a fucking stretch! Like, why would you ask if you cousins? Because like, oh, we, you, you don't ask? look alike. You don't look alike. Yeah, but but I, but I know y'all must not be together because you're both women. So right. maybe you're cousins. Right. That's what that's what that seems like to me. Because who else do you ask <laughs> randomly? Are y'all cousins? are y'all cousins? Like that's not a thing. <laughs> but even with the are y'all sisters? Like, 
I feel like usually people ask stuff like that when they feel like the people look alike. Like you see features, similar features like, oh, they're mother and daughter or oh, they're sisters. And we do not look alike. We're both black. (laughs) But we don't look alike. So that's why I'm saying it's just so interesting to me. Like, because you and your sisters look alike and me and my sisters look alike. We look like sisters. Mm -hmm. Not like twins or nothing, but... I can look at you and Daisha and know that y'all are so like, sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes. Okay. Anyway. And then me and my sisters, like, we look like sisters. Like, I don't feel like you would look at us and be like, are y'all related? Like, it, it's obvious. That's what I mean. I feel like with your sisters and with my sister, it's obvious. We don't look alike. So. Yeah. Because even like, um, so if I were to see you and Arlisha out. I mean, they don't know who Arlisha is. Though. It's your cousin. My cousin. If I were to see you out. And I didn't know you two. I wouldn't be like, are y'all cousins? Because y'all don't look alike. I wouldn't. I wouldn't act what your relationship is like. That's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, you that's know, true. I would either assume you're friend or just you know homies kicking. Or yeah. maybe you are cousins. But why would right. I ask that? Like, I mean, too. Why does it matter? You know, like it's like if it's yeah, a stranger, why are you, why are you even asking? Exactly. That's the thing too. I'm like, why are you even asking? Because with that particular cousin, because she's so small. A lot of times, well, definitely when she was younger, not now because she looks more like an adult, but when she was younger, people thought she was my child <laughs> um, and her brother. Um, but I think it, I honestly think it was clearly a size thing because they're little and I was taller than them and, you know, older or whatever than them. And maybe they just thought I was a young mom or something because <laughs> I definitely got like when I would have them out with me, I got that all the time. But I think it was a size thing. But yeah. Um, yeah. That's the other thing. Tell me, like, why does it matter? Because it's it's interesting because, I mean, I really think it's people pick up on our interaction. They know we're together, and that's what they're asking. Because when it's me and Kalita out, no one asks us, are we sisters? No one asks us if hmm. we're cousins. No one asks us those questions. What about you and Daisha? <laughs> no one asks us if we're sisters. Like, the only time people ask me, oh, are y'all sisters is when I'm in a relationship with somebody. That's literally So it's time. like they're picking up on something. They're like they're trying to figure out why. What's the relationship? Right. Because, you know, it makes me think of that time we were in a grocery store. And it, okay, I don't know if you remember this. So we were at Aldi. And we were just like, not fussing for real, but like joke, kind of like cracking jokes and shit. Like back and forth, mm-hmm. kind of like play fussing or whatever over something. And then we were just like cracking up. And so this lady behind us, like this old lady was like, oh, y'all must be. She started laughing at something that we did or said. It was like, oh, y'all must be sisters. You don't remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just like, that was so <laughs> like we could have just been friends. But I think it's just like observing the interaction or whatever. Yeah. And it ain't like we just I mean, because I think another thing, too, is. It's not like we're, um, you know, all over each other and stuff like that. Like we're looking at a house, so we're talking to each other and stuff. But I think maybe they're observing some level of intimacy or like closeness mm-hmm. and trying to put a name to it. You know, your niggas nosy. Honest to God, yeah. why do y'all care? <laughs> Honest, I don't think I've ever asked anybody like, "Oh, what are y'all like? What's this relationship like?" Right. Even if I'm trying to figure it out in my head, I, I don't think been I bold asked, enough yeah. or enti- felt entitled enough to know what your relationship said. It's <laughs> that part. It's the feel, feeling <laughs> entitled. It particularly when it comes to um, queer folks, like. People have like cishet folks have a huge sense of entitlement in terms of knowing kind of the inner workings of our relationships, our sex, all kind of like they they want to know stuff and they and they really feel like it's okay for them to ask anybody. And the thing is, for some people, they are okay with that. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I want to educate and blah blah. And I'm like, 
That is not my ministry. No, I don't want to ask, answer your invasive ass questions about my sex life and my relationship and all kind of stuff, because why the fuck does it matter if we're going to look at a place or we're just existing in the world? Because it ain't only, uh, you know, when we're looking at these properties that just made me think of it. But we're just doing our grocery shopping. We're just minding our black ass business. Why does it matter to you what our interaction is? And uh, like what Courtney was saying, when she's out with other folks, she doesn't get asked that question. So it's like, I feel like they're observing their interaction and they're just using that as like an in, a way to, you know, kind of get their foot in the door to ask a question about how they see us relating to each other. Cause they're like, hmm, but it is just interesting to me. That's like, okay, you feel comfortable even trying to get your foot in the door. Like, cause at the end of the day, why does that matter? What does it have to do with you going on about your day? Like us interacting in the grocery store. What does that have to do with that lady's date? Like, okay, if we are sisters or if we're not, like, how does that impact your day at all? So that's what it is like that. Okay, something's going on here, which people aren't that dumb. I feel like, you know, <laughs> like people are pretty stupid, but I don't feel like you're that dense. It's like, you know, but then it's kind of like you're trying to, um, I don't know, prove yourself wrong or it's kind of like, oh, well, I, I sense something might be going on here, but I'm kind of like, mm, no, nah, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. It's like, you know, something's, you know, it's there's an intimate relationship. I don't even know what the end game is. So you right. find out we're gay and then what? Right. <laughs> like what happens after that? But I mean, they want to uh, know how we fuck. Is that the next <laughs> question? Hey, probably because that's how they do. I mean, I think um, I've always wanted to know. Right. Well, well, I got you here. <laughs> can you tell me? Can you please enlighten me? Um, I always wondered how the women folks did that. Like, if you don't get out my face, I don't know. I really. But I think you brought up a good point that when you said like, oh, well, when you're out with like your actual sister. <laughs> Or your cousin, you don't get asked that. Um, so that's why I'm saying when when I say like, okay, people aren't that dumb. It's like, okay, you observe people interacting with each other. You observe siblings interacting with each other, with each other all the time. But it's us, you know, that you want to ask about our interaction. And you don't do that with everybody. But I'd be curious to see because I'm more matched than presenting what happens like when I'm not around like do you ever you never get asked this question with other people is it only with me I've gotten I've been asked in other relationships but I mean with, with when you're not in a relationship um you mean like with my actual siblings siblings <laughs> friends no you don't get asked I do not not like when I'm I'm trying to think Mm-mm. when I'm out with friends I've only been asked that <clears throat> And folks who ain't my damn sister, <laughs> you know, I've only been, I've only been asked that, um, yeah, with folks I've been in a relationship with and, and it hasn't mattered what their presentation is. Mm. It's been femmes. It's been, you know, folks who are masculine of center. I've still been asked that question. I just thought about that mm. um, because I was thinking about it like, is it only, but it's not because it's been asked when I dated somebody who was femme too. So, but never with my actual siblings. <laughs> you know, or friends. And even so there has to be something to it because, you know, if I'm even with like my close friends, if we are like just talking, like, you know, there's still 
can be some degree of like intimacy or closeness in the friendship, yeah. but we still don't get asked, you know, well, that question. I mean, I'd be curious to get feedback from your listeners because from what I see with even heterosexual women's relationships, they're all over each other a lot of the times. They're very affectionate towards Correct. each other. And so I wonder, did what do they get asked those questions? Or do right. people assume that they're straight and they're just friends? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, because when I talk to Sarah, which I'm going to insert the clip um, in this episode, but, um, you know, she was saying, okay, well, with when she was with a guy, because what we talked about in regards to her erasure was like, the difference in how she's perceived when she was in a relationship with a man. And that was like her front facing relationship versus being with a woman and that. So, you know, she went from being perceived as straight to being perceived as a lesbian, even though she is neither, but that's the perception because of who she's in a relationship with. Um, so, but she was saying, you know, well, when I would be, when she would be out with her ex, she was like, nobody ever asked if he was my sibling. You know, nobody ever asked if he was like my brother or nothing like that or if we were related. They just assumed that we're together and they act accordingly. Um, but she was saying with her um, partner now, who's a woman, like they do um, get asked. Did she say, I, don't, I can't remember if she said, did she say sisters? I feel like she may have specifically said sisters. Um, but I mean, she has she also has female friends who she's close to and they haven't been asked that question. So, yeah, it is specific. So I feel like, you know, like you're saying, it's, they're just using it as a code type of thing, you know, kind of like, even though you know damn well that ain't my sister, but you're just asking that because you're trying to have a way to get your foot in the door to basically be in our business. <laughs> mm-hmm. But why does it matter? That's what I don't understand. I'm like, why does this have any bearing on anything? Maybe we should carry water bottles, spray bottles with us mm-hmm. anytime someone asks them to spray them in the face. Like, eh, eh. yeah treat him like a pet yeah wow um it's so interesting i feel like we should do like a social experiment i try to get a few couples to do it because i've heard other queer couples say now you know what something i do wonder with men like are men asked if they're brothers Mm. now my theory is that no. no I don't, <laughs> My theory is no, because I, I, I men, any relationship involved with men, it seems more valid. Yeah. So I feel like, no, they'd be like, them niggas gay. Yep. And that is what it is. And nobody questions what their relationship is to each other. That is my theory. Um, but I, I know for sure other, like, lesbian couples or other, like, um, couples where, that have, like, two folks who are not men have definitely said like they've been asked if they're sisters. Hmm. I never even thought about it with men, but I wouldn't. I just can't imagine like two men out, you know, just going about their lives and a random stranger like sliding in. Hey, are y'all brothers? Like, cause no, like, you know, just pop out. Yeah, just pop out. Like, hey. Are y'all bro- like? But that's how that's how it is for us. And it's, maybe maybe so, this happens to them. I'm curious. I, to I'm out. gonna ask. I want to know. I'm I'm gonna put. I don't know. Put like a question on Twitter or poll on Twitter or something because I really want to know if that happens. I really don't think it does. My theory is that it does not. Um, right. And you know, Sarah described it as like a microaggression. Um, and you know, when I was talking to her, but yeah, you know, she was like, yeah, I didn't have those types of like microaggressions when I was with a man, but now, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, it's very interesting. Another thing too that was different when what she was talking about um, was she mentioned how people react to them just randomly. Like she said, somebody was, uh, I guess, going past them and was just like, good for you. And I'm like, what? 
So they get a lot of like uninvited, unwanted attention. But I know they're also probably more perceived as like femme femme, mm-hmm. whereas we're not perceived that way. So, um, but I didn't get, I didn't really get that when I was with femme. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, it just trips me out that people, um, that's how they, that's the, the code they use. And it's so, it happens frequently enough, like, and using that same language, like we don't, we don't get asked like, are y'all friends? Are y'all roommates? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, this came back up because we're house hunting and I feel like maybe because we're house hunting there, there's not going to be a jump to friends. You know what I mean? Because like you're buying a house together or right. they're assuming you're buying a house together. What's the relationship? Right. Maybe, maybe I'll give them that. Right. But in the random, in the grocery store, I don't yeah, that's true though, because even when we watch, because, okay, I could just be a friend coming with Courtney to look at a house. Sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? But even us, when we watching these shows and people, you know, House Hunters International and a professional butterfly catcher is about to buy a $10 million home. Mm-hmm. And she got this person with her and we're like, Hmm. You know, and it yeah. might say on the screen, friend. friend. We were like, oh, we were like, sure, mm-hmm. sure, buddy. your special friend. You know, because um, there was this one episode, and I just remember the whole time, like she was with her the whole time, and all the stuff they were talking about. And I'm like, and, the, and her friend but, gonna move in with her, right? But then in the end, we, they end up having husbands. I don't know if you remember that when they no. that cabin. No, the one they were like, um, it was like a cabin or something in a cold area. Um, and they were looking at the place and stuff, but then at the end they showed them with like husbands and stuff. I'm like, it's still what, something going on. And they moved in together. Um, That's what it was I'm like a about. the one lady stayed there. The other one was just like, um, would come for vacation sometimes or something like um, that. I'm talking about when they ended, they were gonna be roommates. Oh, them! I feel like they were a couple. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you know sometimes it's like, okay, well, they on the screen they didn't say that they were together, but the way they were talking to each other and all mm-hmm. that because we were talking about they seemed like they had like some kind of like DS thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so anyway, so it's just interesting to me. But another thing that's interesting to me is that that's kind of a, it's been like a, um, I don't want to say completely universal, but fairly universal way that people try to get their foot in too. Like, I mean, I've been asked that on the East Coast. I've been asked that on the West Coast. Um, but you know what I just thought of? Has a white person ever asked us that? Because I only think of no, black folks. Black and... I, I can't think of a white person or a non-black person um, who's asked that. I don't, I don't think white people give a fuck about what we do walking around, honestly. Um, not in a sexuality way. I, mm. I mean, maybe if it was at like a gay pride parade and there were like some white protesters. <laughs> I don't know, but right. you know what I mean? I don't think, <laughs> you know, they might just hate us for being black. You know, mm. I don't know if white people are like... Yeah, they see Ooh. the blackness before. They, the, they're yeah. um, seeing the blackness overshadows the gayness or something. I don't know. Or they just don't care. Because, I mean, we've, you know, seen places that had um, white realtors and all that, and they don't ask. And to be honest, I feel more comfortable, which I don't know. I don't think it's probably fair mm-hmm. to black people to do this, but I do feel more comfortable saying, like, you're my wife to, like, a white realtor. I have felt more. I, I noticed I did that, and I had to check myself. Mm, that's true, because like when we have seen places and it's been a black person, you haven't, you don't, you automatically say it. I don't say anything, right? Or yeah, because I mean, I can think of either we just don't say anything. There have been times when, like, I, I remember somebody asked, and I was like, "No, that's my wife," but I said something. Mm. 
Um, but I can think of a time where we saw something that was shown by like a white rotator. You said that's my wife. So um, you got some stuff you got to unpack with black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, experiencing homophobia at the hands of black folks. But yeah, so I and I get what you're saying in terms of like, oh, well, it's probably not fair. Um, I think it's even if it's not fair, that doesn't mean it's invalid because we have to um, pull from our own experiences. And I want to give black people space and room to like grow and um, and, you know, kind of like the benefit of the doubt that does not erase what we have already been through, though. So I can't say just because I want to have all this room and space um, for the possibility of like, you know, black folks um, being more progressive in their thinking, all this kind of stuff. That still doesn't erase the homophobia that I've experienced from black folks. Sure, but it's also ignorant of me to assume that the white person would be more comfortable. Well, yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah, see, because I don't, I can't say I feel more comfortable um, with the whites. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel more comfortable. Yeah, I am also on drugs. That's show you revert to everything. Speaking of drugs, all right. So, um, so okay. Anyway, but I just want to circle back to that, um, and I will drop in the clip. I guess I'll say here. <laughs> uh, I'll drop in the clip from from my conversation with Sarah. So when we did the breaking up while Polly episode, um, I meant to ask Sarah about um, basically her experience navigating just navigating the world as a bisexual woman but like going from being in a a relationship with a man to being in a relationship with a woman in terms of like publicly because it's not like you know it's not like oh all of a sudden she's with a woman but it's like in terms of public perception the perception was that like oh well everybody's used to seeing her with you know this guy that she's been with and now it's like okay when you go to um, hang out with friends or you just are out and about, you know, shopping, doing whatever you're with a woman. And so you're going from being perceived as straight to being perceived as a lesbian. So there's like erasure going on there. Um, there's, it's just, that's just like its own thing to navigate. So I wanted to ask her, um, what that experience was like transitioning from in terms of like, what was the forward facing relationship that most people were privy to, um, going from that being a relationship with a man to that being a relationship with a woman, what that experience was like, um, for her. So I have her here with me so that she can tell me, cause I forgot to ask. We just talked about so much stuff that I, I had to jot it down and forgot to circle back to that. And so I want to circle back to that, um, for this episode. So I'll let her share her, uh, her thoughts and stuff of navigating that. Well, that that's a big question. I think that the way I would summarize it to start would be that everything goes to extremes now. Um, when I was viewed as heterosexual because my primary partner I was in public with um, was male, it we didn't really get bothered. People assumed I was heterosexual. They treated me as such, and there were little you know, things that I considered microaggressions, like them always handing him the bill, but it was things that I think I would experience as a heterosexual person. Um, my queerness, my bisexuality was never acknowledged in that space. Being in a relationship in a public setting with a female partner has been very different. I either experience people who almost fetishize it or make it like a circus act, 
Um, or I have people who just are, they're still the erasure. They just continually continuously say things like, oh, that's your friend. Um, and I think I don't think either has been worse for me. They both are equally annoying. Um, I guess as far as people being outlandish, like if I'm walking down the street, people will be like, good for you. What? <laughs> That's happened to my partner and I a lot. Um, what? <laughs> like people coming up and being like, we're so proud. You're brave. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I've never, what? That's happened a lot. And that is fucking strange. We, sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we say something. It's just like, what, what do you, it's very awkward. Um, and People don't go up to heterosexual people and go, good job. Like, way to be a straight person. You're really doing this straight thing just right. So proud. <laughs> you really got that down right. Oh, what the hell? The only time that it's been somewhat positive, and it was probably more humorous, was these two, and it's, it's almost always men. Um, I can't actually recall a time that women did that that weren't also queer and were like, hey, like y'all are a cute couple. Right. Um, but not being weird. Talking about, being weird this enough. is brave. Congratulations. <laughs> Fighting what? the good fight. That's like DJ Khaled. Congratulations. <laughs> like, what? It's always, what? it's always men and it's almost always black men. Sometimes there's some like perverted comments, but the only time that it was it was just too interesting to be problematic <laughs> was these guys um, were walking past my partner and I and one of them said, oh, that's so nice to see, especially because they're, you know, they're both femme. That's interesting. It was interesting. So it was so interesting. I couldn't quite be offended because I was like, well, you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> right. Because but people also, automatically assume that, you know, it's that the dynamic is going to be femme stud. You know, and so if it's, you know, stud, stud or fem fem or whatever or perceived that way, that's looked at as an anomaly. And it's like some people who just that's looked at as less valid. Like um, it's it's so weird to me because the different feedback um, is kind of like, OK, well, when you're with a guy, it's like, OK, well, that's seen as valid, like inherently valid. So people aren't really going to say anything, you know, and then they're just going to kind of, like you said, um, do the stuff that they normally do, like give him the check and stuff like that. But with the woman, it's like either folks are going to go out of their way to not, because it's like, oh my God, this is so foreign that I just, what, you're so brave that you're doing this revolutionary new thing. Like being gay ain't nothing new. (laughs) Like people being gay, we've been out here in these streets or it's like, oh my God, you know, looking like, okay, that's weird. Or how does, I mean, I have legit been asked, how does that work? (laughs) Somebody asked me, they're like, yeah, so how does that work? The fuck do you mean? How does it work? And they were talking about basically sexually. And I'm like, it works very well. I'm like that. (laughs) It works very well. That's how it works. Like I'm probably working better than whatever you got going on. But, um, so people, also feel like this sense of entitlement. They feel like they have an accessibility. There's a a, a certain, a different level of accessibility that people feel like they have to you when you are queer that they don't feel when you're straight. And so it's like things people ask you about your sex life and all that stuff. People don't ask straight folks that stuff. They don't ask them that. But with queer folks, it's like they feel like they just have an open invitation um, to ask all kind of very personal things that's none of their fucking business. Also, they'll make passes at your partner. 
straight and queer people feel a lot more comfortable when I'm with a female partner making mm-hmm. passes in my face. And we're poly, but that still doesn't mean, well, people don't know that most right. of the time, but that still doesn't mean you can just walk up and interrupt our conversation and be overtly sexual or pervy or even attracted with with no respect for they don't, just because we're both women. It because it's not, it's not that relationship isn't seen as as valid like it's not seen as serious it's like oh well that's not that deep when it's like like with i'm like well that's my fucking wife it is that deep you know what i'm saying or like that's my partner whoever like it is that deep but people don't look at it the same way versus like when you're with a guy it's inherently that deep you know that that nigga could just be your friend with benefits like that ain't even my man you know type of thing but if y'all together Y'all could just be on a snack run. Like, that ain't your nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just get together for time to time, do what we do. But they're going to automatically see that as like, oh, that's your man. You know what I'm saying? And not not engage with you a certain way because of that. Um, and the assumptions people make, like, that when I did date a guy, nobody, um, nobody said, oh, is that your brother? But I get all the time, is that your sister? That's a big one that I've experienced. Is that your sister? Like, oh, are y'all sisters? <laughs> we get that more so than friends. We are a lot. They're like, oh, that's your sister? No. And you two look nothing alike. We don't look alike. Like, we're both black. <laughs> we don't look alike. So, that's it's kind of like that type of stuff where it's like people don't even... Um, don't even... It's like they can't even wrap their mind around the fact that like you could have some other type of relationship to each other besides friendship or or like being um, familial. Like that's not my sibling. That's not my cousin. That's not my friend. And I've, you know, made it a point to be like very, uh, for the most part, very adamant. Sometimes there are exceptions, but um, yeah, it's just crazy to me. Like that's your friend. This, this ain't how I interact with my friends. Like... No, it's just very, so yeah, it's just like, because our society is so heteronormative, it's just like, oh, there's no way that you all's relationship could be outside of these few options or whatever. Um, Even when men have been brought in, like we went on a date with a guy and we intentionally centered one of us when the three of us walked together because we're nerdy and we were like, let's do a social experiment. So we'll all hold hands. Everybody was focused on him and acting like he had these two women when in mm-hmm. fact we were actually the couple and he was kind of the just side situation. Right. But it's just, I mean, it's, just a, it's a lot. Charmaine, <laughs> Charmaine talked about that when we did the, when I did the episode with y'all, the um, bisexual, it was like bisexual, like visibility or something episode. And um, that's what she said. She said her and um, her husband and like their partner tried the same thing and people treated him the same way doesn't matter it's just and on top of all of it either way there's still erasure because even when i've gone out with my primary female partner and had a male with us whether it was a friend or someone we were dating it's it's always centered that way or it's we're lesbians and we're neither one of us are lesbians and it's not that we're going to necessarily walk around and announce our sexual orientation but the way that people assume it and then when they're corrected or still adamant is offensive like people want to argue with you (laughs) they want to tell you like no you're not uh yes the fuck i am like how are you gonna tell me yeah people try people will absolutely try to tell you like your own identity and that's so crazy to me i'm like 
you don't even know me like that. Um, yeah, it's very, it's just very strange to me the um, how bold people are. People are very bold. People have a lot of audacity um, in the way that they approach folks. I'm just like, one day it's like, you know, they're going to get into a situation where they really approach the wrong person with that. And there's going to be consequences because everybody, everybody's not going to respond to that um, as like a teachable moment or even just ignore it or whatever. Somebody's going to be fed the fuck up and they're going to clap back maybe physically. And then, you know, folks want to get in their feelings or whatever, or say, and, and the onus is always on us. So it's like, let's say, you know, there's a time like I'm out, my partner folks did the whole, are y'all sisters? And I'm like, no, that's my wife or no, that's my partner or whatever. And then they want to kind of, you know, take on this attitude like I'm wrong or like I'm tripping because I'm like because I correct them like no we're married (laughs) like that's my wife that's my partner that's my spouse or whatever um and then they kind of get this like oh okay you know type of thing um and really what it is is their own discomfort but they kind of like project it like I'm tripping and I'm like I'm not tripping because you made an assumption because if you if we really approach things with an open mind first of all you wouldn't assume any type of relationship between anybody. Like, if you don't know these folks, you shouldn't assume that you know what their relationship to each other is. And why do you care? Exactly. Why is it any of your what business? You like, I don't get why it matters. <laughs> and then two, with, with you being corrected, like, you shouldn't feel any kind of way because you shouldn't have made the assumption in the first place that they're really... You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're just looking at somebody, you created a whole story for them. That's crazy to me. Like, oh yeah, they're sisters. Like... When me and um, Courtney had went to the grocery store one time and this lady was like, oh, we were kind of like play fussing back and forth, talking shit, you know, whatever to each other back and forth and um, joking around and stuff. And she was like, oh, y'all must be sisters or something like that. And I'm like, first of all, why you in my business? <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> what? I don't understand. So I'm just like, I don't know how she came to that conclusion. Um... And we wear wedding rings. You must have your husband somewhere. They must be in the car waiting. We wear matching rings. <laughs> Our rings match. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, it's just so interesting to me, the things that people assume, and then they kind of get in their feelings when they're corrected or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> so has there, okay. Um, has there been any upside to navigating the, you know, navigating in a relationship with a woman versus with a man. Like, has there been any, I guess, outside of just perception, like what has been different for you? Um, I think it's been more affirming as a bisexual person because I, my queerness, maybe not my bisexuality, but my queerness is more affirmed. So I mm-hmm. feel like I belong more. And that's more of my own stuff, and I get that. But when you walk around and you're constantly seen as heterosexual, yeah. for me, not saying for a long time too. With, right, heterosexual people, <clears throat> it felt worse. I felt even more outside of my... Something wrong with heterosexual people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Offend the hetero. The straights got some issues. Okay, <laughs> listen. I don't know if any straight. Some straights listen to my show. Y'all know y'all got issues. Y'all know y'all crazy. But y'all listen to me, so y'all not too bad. <laughs> but for the most part, it's just not my ministry. So I rather be. Although you know, there's issues from the other side too. I rather be seen as a lesbian versus a straight person, and that's been nice. Um, and it's been affirming. I think that. 
outside of that, it's small, but the microaggressions are less. We we do get a lot of like craziness, people shouting out, but like the pain with the you know check, who gets the check, opening the door, like we we don't get as much, as many problems. Um, and that's never been a big thing that's bothered me, but it is nice to have, as somebody who has a lot of intersectionality with depression, getting one thing off my plate is nice. Um, other than that, I mean, I think that I've learned, and this is more personal to me, that I'm more like homoromantic. So I get more joy out of being out in the open with the woman than I would with the man. It just makes me happier. Like I, the public displays of affection and like having that relationship out in public to me, just overall, it's just more affirming. I feel more happy. Ew, that's gay. Um, a little bit, a little bit. But no, that no, that <laughs> it makes sense to me though. Um, I think erasure is definitely a huge thing, and um, yeah, it's something that I'll also talk a little bit more about with the wife. Um, but because she'll be on this episode too but um yeah especially just kind of navigating the world as because like men don't deal with the same thing men if they're engaging with each other in a certain way like they are seen as a couple they're not it's not like oh they must just be friends people are like oh okay when they have a certain type of closeness and stuff then people are like oh yeah they you know i'm saying they're together um but because relationships with women are they're seen as like not serious. They're seen as phases. They're seen as like placeholders. Um, then a lot of the erasure comes from that because it's just like, oh no, it can't be that serious because you know there's no man involved, so it can't be that serious. Especially like if it's femme, femme, it's like oh, there's no no one who's like overtly masculine involved. Um, you get a lot of oh, you just haven't met the right one, right? But even with me being with someone who is um, who does present somewhat masculine because I'm not like hard but um is more masculine of center we still it's really interesting because when I've so I mean I've dated films I've dated like folks all over the presentation spectrum because I just I just love the people okay so I don't care about like I don't stick to like one kind of presentation like if you if you find you find I don't care but what I've noticed is that in my marriage because like I've dealt with um, women who were more masculine of center in the past and um so like when people engaged with us they definitely there was like a lot of heteronormativity around that and like do they would do stuff like give her the check and all that kind of stuff and um but in my marriage i would say it's a mixture there are times where um people do engage with us that way where it's like they're handing her the check or they're um you know, kind of looking to her as that masculine person, but not as much as in other relationships. Like other relationships that I was in with like masculine of center women, it was all the time. Or when I've been that person who's more masculine of center, it was all the time. But in this relationship, um, it's not all the time. Sometimes, you know, I get the check or sometimes folks just, they kind of don't know, you know? Um, but yeah, so it's it hasn't been quite the same, but it's just interesting to me. So I feel like there's, so many different ways that erasure comes about um and so that's why it was something that i wanted to circle back to especially because like in each i mean of course it's like there's no way that somebody's gonna know just on site you know what your orientation is but people still make assumptions based on like who they see you with um, and I think just one of the things that we can do better in general is to not assume things like if we don't know someone, 
we really shouldn't be assuming things about them. We shouldn't be assuming what their orientation is. We shouldn't be assuming what their pronouns are. Um, we shouldn't be not preferred pronouns, but pronouns. <laughs> just to be clear, but we shouldn't be assuming that we know what their identity is. Just because y'all are both femme presenting, that still doesn't mean that. I mean, you know, one of y'all could be non-binary. One of y'all, I mean, there's a and lot. My of partner's possible. actually not femme, right? So she is not. Just so, to throw, throw that wrench in there. She's not femme. So yeah, she's more so like boy, like boi boy. She's kind of a girly boy, but still, you know, <laughs> not really femme. More tomboyish than that. So it's like we really shouldn't make um, assumptions about any, you know, anything because we don't know unless we know the person we don't know. Um, but people just think that they know stuff and they feel like they're entitled. And I think that for one, we need to get away from making assumptions, and two. There needs to be this um, departure from feeling entitled, like someone is obligated to give you access to all the information about them because they they don't have to. Like, they ain't got to do that. And so, you know, I've tried to make it a point to either um, just not do it, like just kind of like move on about my business or um, correct people, you know, when they're wrong. So, but anyway, yeah, so I wanted to circle back to that. Um, Did you have any other thoughts in regards to erasure? I would just say that I would just want to say to people out there, don't feel the need to explain yourself to others because you're valid regardless. And for those that are curious, like explore why you're curious and do your own research. There is the Internet. Um, There are places you can go and get educated in appropriate settings. But don't don't harass people. Right. Just don't do it. It's not it's not cute. (laughs) But that's it. I would agree. It ain't cute. That shit ain't cute. And no one's obligated to educate you. And I just think that as I, the older I get, the more I depart from that. I'm like, I ain't no damn teacher. Like I have more space for it. And y'all look, my listeners, y'all already know. Um, I have more space for certain people, but in general, I'm like, is nobody is obligated to educate you. We have with all this technology, we have the world at our fingertips and that's a world of knowledge. So we got to do our own fucking work. We can't just assume that people are going to teach us and then get in our feelings when they don't or when they don't want to, because you don't know how many times this person has been subjected to that, been put in that position where they're having to basically justify their humanity. And ain't nobody got time for that shit. And people get tired of that. No one should have to do that. So we got to, you know, be, um, take some initiative and do our own research and not just be like, Hey, can you explain this to me? Because folks are fucking tired. And if the answer is no, then it don't make no sense to get in your feelings about it because they're, you know, that's their right to protect themselves and to not utilize their energy in that way. So, um, so yeah, that shit ain't cute. We got to do better. All right. So yeah, I want to circle back to that. Um, so that was that. And now back to chatting it up with the wife. All right. So. Moving on from that, um, the other thing that we wanted to touch on has has to do with therapy. So I, um, you know, over the course of the year, you know, I've been talking about the censoring itself. So the things I wanted to focus on, um, just, you know, erasure and that kind of stuff. Um, this idea of like balancing um, being out and being safe. And we already touched on that. And then I, you know, talked to um, and I'll drop in a clip from Sarah, too, about her experience with erasure and um, particularly what makes her situation different as a bisexual woman. Um, And 
in terms of um, centering yourself, so we talked about like ad- embracing identity, um, being unapologetic, all that kind of stuff. Another thing that I've talked about a lot over the course of the year is mental health and wellness. And I feel like this idea of safety and like being out and all that relates to wellness. And also, of course, our mental health relates to wellness. So um, Courtney mentioned to me wanting to talk about therapy. And as y'all know, I've mentioned, you know, many times that I'm in therapy um, on this show. I mentioned, you know, what my particular mental health struggles are in terms of um, persistent depressive disorder and PTSD and all this other stuff. So it's not a secret. (laughs) Um, And I purposefully um, am not secretive about it because I don't want it to I don't want there to be a stigma around it. And I think that it's important for more black people um, to talk about mental Mm -hmm. health um, and mental health care and diagnoses and all that kind of stuff um, so that it doesn't it's not this taboo thing. Um, And because um, a lot of times we feel a lot of shame, we feel a lot of shame around um, either like wanting to seek some kind of help or needing help or having a diagnosis. Um, And I don't want to. I don't want to be ashamed, particularly of something I have no control. Like I have control over my management of it, but I don't have control over um, the fact that, hey, I went through traumatic things or, hey, I have this diagnosis. I just have control over what I choose to do for my self-care and for my management of what I'm dealing with. So I shouldn't be um, ashamed or made to feel ashamed for the fact that this thing exists in me, you know. So anyway, um, so yeah, Courtney mentioned want to talk about therapy. So. What did you want to talk about? Yeah, so just echoing my beautiful wife's words that she so eloquently put out there. (laughs) Um, I started therapy in October for, this is the third time, well, second and a half time I've started therapy in my life. Okay, what? Second and a half? (laughs) Yeah, you just can't skim past. So the first time I did, I was in college and um, it was a white woman and at the time she kind of had the face of the devil that I was running from so she couldn't Hmm. help me. And I The face of the devil, like what? You're running from white folks? (laughs) No, I'm trying to understand. (laughs) So the reason why I was, I mean, I didn't know this at the time, but I was struggling with uh, like imposter syndrome and I was at this rich ass white school with a bunch of rich ass white folks and I was like I don't feel like I belong here and I was really struggling with it and so you know when I go into the therapy office and she was there you know what I mean I couldn't connect with her and I didn't open up with her so it was a fail from the beginning so were you just like silent in your sessions with her how many times did you go see her I don't know once or twice oh okay oh, so it didn't take long for you to yeah. move on yeah okay um, and then the second time it was counseling, not therapy. Okay. Um, and she was a Christian, so I shut down. I mean, I did like 10 sessions with her, but I wasn't forthcoming at all. And I wasn't honest with her. It's just a bullshit way to get my mom to kind of back off because hmm. she was paying for it. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. Sure. Hmm. Well, I didn't go anywhere. The lady came to the house. So Interesting. cool cool that was cool whatever so this is like the first time i'm legit like being honest and opening up and you're invested yeah and i'm like really trying to get you know quality and mama ain't paying for it (laughs) and neither am i so technically i guess with my labor uh, exactly at work but i you know there's no copay healthcare set up right gang gang yeah so there's no very grateful there's no copays it's pretty cool um one benefit of being married yeah <laughs> that dual coverage 
yeah. coming through for some real so, niggas. I know because I've seen her like I don't know how many times in this past month, like a lot. So if I had to pay every single time, that would be racking up. But since I don't, oh, we'll be we'll be drowning in debt from therapy if we had to pay. Not drowning in debt <laughs> for me. We would not be drowning in for debt. me because how much would a copay ooh, be, Javier? Stop it. Ooh, shit so is real. I got issues. Okay, so I have, I require oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. require the big guns. Okay. okay? <laughs> anyways, we would have. Anyways, so. <laughs> shit is real out here, man. <laughs> like. So, anyways, yeah, I've been going since October, and it's been awesome. Um, my therapist is not a black woman, and I thought, like, as soon as I sat down and she wasn't black, I was going to be like, nah. But, but she's, she's a woman of color. She's right? a woman of color, and she's really cute. So, oh, Lord. That's all it takes for this heathen. <laughs> Such a thought. She's like, oh, she cute, so I got a little time. That's what. That's how she, that's how she, that's Courtney, okay? Like, I don't want to do this. Oh, but she cute. I guess I got I no, got time for I that. I went in That's thinking Courtney. I was gonna do it, and she's I was like, I got time for that. And during my intake, I was just thinking, okay, she's not black. So after I do this, in, done with this intake, I will, um, you know, find a black find, therapist. But, yeah. That's what but, I said too. Well, because my therapist is a black man, and I wanted a black woman. So when I saw him for the first time, I was like, eh, okay, I'm gonna try to find, you know, see can they give me somebody else because I really wanted a black woman. But you know, he, um, I don't know. He pulled out the big guns, I guess, and caught and was saying some stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I guess I got a little time. So, but it's not because of attraction, like my wife, you know, she's just a thought. And so, yes, yeah. I am a thought. And you know what? That speaks to me. Okay. Find something that speaks <laughs> to you. Whatever. I don't know if I could be with an ugly therapist. Wow. Because I am such a terrible person. <sighs> I need, I she know got, She got to work that out in therapy. Yeah. My therapist told me to stop saying I'm a bad person. So I am going to take that back. I have... I have she has bad, issues. I have <laughs> she has bad person tendencies. I have bad person tendencies, but I am not a bad person. You're not a bad person. I wouldn't be with you if you were a bad person. Anyways, I've learned a lot and she has been coming through with something. I'm like, oh shit. Like you're good at your job. Mm-hmm. And you really helped me see some things. And it's only been going on two months. So um it's a beautiful thing. Um when you're invested. And you're actually looking for help and not, you know, there to bullshit. Um, I mean, we've been together for a long time and I've been telling Courtney, like, you need to go to therapy. Well, this was the right time because I found the right one. Okay. Anyway. um, But yeah, I mean, folks, you know, have to do stuff on their own time and all that type of stuff. But, you know, it does matter because we all I think therapy can be beneficial for everyone um we all have things that we need to process through and um yeah and particularly for black folks and particularly for black women um I think you know we just have a lot of stuff that we that we need to process through and we need to be able to do so um especially because we play um in our lives we often play a role of like a caregiver a nurturer a listener a supporter a worker a laborer so we're doing all these things where we're giving of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so we need to have a place that does not expect us to um, labor in that way. Now, not saying therapy is not labor, at least for me personally, therapy, therapy is work. Um, it is hard, <laughs> but um, I'm not expected to go into therapy and support my therapist. Um, and I feel like we're um, in a lot of spaces we navigate, we're expected to go in and either we're, you know, at a job. So we have to, you know, do labor or uh, we're just expected to because that's what we're expected to do as black women. 
Yeah, um, that's true. I get to be vulnerable, um, which I'm still kind of working on because I don't really want to be vulnerable with her. So I need to work on that because that's what I'm there. You know, she's there for that. Um, But I actually went there for weight loss, interestingly enough, you know, and I'm learning, you know, I'm getting help on so many other issues. It's like an onion, just peeling mm-hmm. up layers. You know? Well, because you're a whole person, so things are connected. You know, mm-hmm. you're not a compartmentalized entity. Oh, so thank you for telling me that. Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's like different things that you go through, you know, impact each other. So, I mean, I went to... I went to therapy for a very specific um, thing. Like I'm in a depression management program. So this really the the sole purpose of the program is to um, help. It's supposed to like help me to learn to um, manage living with depression long term because of what my diagnosis is, as opposed to just dealing with a bout of depression, like being able to manage depression um, that, yeah, that happens over the long term. Um, so managing the day to day and all that kind of stuff, um, when you, when depression is something that you, it's, it's when it's a chronic thing for some folks it's not chronic for some folks it's like acute, you know, you have a bout of it and then you can, uh, move on from that and then you're not depressed anymore. Um, but that's just not the nature of my depression. It's not like there won't, there won't really be a time where it's like, Oh, you're not depressed anymore. It's just like, but it can decrease. You know, I can go from like severe to moderate to mild, you know, type of thing and it'll fluctuate. So it's like, how do I manage? But in this program, just because of the therapist, um, he he doesn't like um, stick to the confines of the program. And it's just because of things that come up. So if things come up, he absolutely will not just let me breeze past it. Somebody says something, he'd be like, hmm. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And he's like. Um, so he's like, okay, but you said something there. Okay. So we kind of, you know, uh, we're going to veer away from like, you know, what we were talking about and just kind of focus on that. So he'll, you know, actually, uh, point it out. So it has been, there are things that we've discussed that go beyond just the depression management that's, you know, have other stuff to deal with. So Mm -hmm. it has been impactful in other ways. Yeah. I've, um, stop that tickles. (laughs) I like my therapist because... Because she's attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a fat pocket. (laughs) Stop! I like her because... (laughs) Why are you talking like that? Are you talking like Moira? (laughs) Baby. Okay, so, so I know we just um, were watching Schitt's Creek. I don't know if I've mentioned this show on my show before. Self-care, watch it. But Schitt's Creek is hilarious y'all it's so good um and it brings us it sparks joy mm-hmm. it sparks joy for us so sometimes we just randomly quote um quote or imitate the folks on there so don't mm-hmm. mind us but if you haven't seen it was well, it on netflix netflix yeah um and, Hulu, and roku um and roku if you have roku um i think it's roku, roku tv Ch- roku channel yeah so yeah. yeah it's great um if you're if you're in canada you probably got yeah go. Pop. It's on like pop yeah. in Canada, but oh yeah, because I do have folks around the world. Oh, um, but yeah, it's it's really funny, and um, it's, if you like, you know, kind of like dry humor, <laughs> um, yeah, it's I don't know, it's 
it's very funny. Um, and not just the things they say, but the things they do too. Like their um, physicality is very funny too. So we get a kick out of that, but I digress. Um, it's you like your therapist. I like her because she, um, is not afraid to call me on my bullshit, which I need in a woman. She needs outside of me. Yeah. Well, the reason why I like you is because you're yeah, not afraid to call me on my bullshit, right? <laughs> that's so she, that's I need that she, in the uh, therapist. Yeah. Um, she also ain't afraid to crack jokes on me when I'm being ridiculous. Um, so that's which is good. Helpful that she's not like you know stick up my stick up her butt kind of like mm-hmm. person. She's funny and she can be funny. Um. You gotta be. You gotta have a. Um, when you're doing pathetic. therapy, you gotta have somebody who you can, you know, connect with in that way. Because you don't want to feel like, oh, this person is judgmental. Oh, this person mm-hmm. is, you know, what I'm saying. And that's um, that having that relatability um, helps to build rapport. Because that's how that's something I said to Courtney about my therapy. I'm like, he calls me out, and I'd be feeling some kind of way, but I'd be like, you right though. But I'd be mm-hmm. kind of like low key side eyeing him, like. You didn't have to call me out like that, but you, you're not wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, but it really is very eye opening because he'll say something I'll be like, or he'll say something that, um, I have thought about and I didn't, I couldn't put the word, like, I didn't know what it was called. Like, oh, I know I do this, but what does that mean? And how do I mm-hmm. move forward? You know, type of thing. And he does crack jokes because I'll be like, but I got to do this and I got to do that. And he just like, Hey, <laughs> you know, he kind of reins it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she's also young. Um, I don't know how old she is, but I have a feeling she's around my age. And so when I say, I don't know if this is TMI, she's not like 80 years old. And she's like, what is TMI? <laughs> you know what I mean? She, you know, TMI is not a youthful thing to say. No, like. but there's no translation when I'm speaking. You know okay, what I mean? Like okay, she understands yeah. what I'm saying. Um, That's good. Yeah. So it could be draining if you have she to explain. She looks like she just got out of college in the last five years. Like, you know, with her master's or whatever she has. Like, mm. she's not old she's if she's in her 30s is very early 30s. she's still hipping with it yeah <laughs> um i mean she's also brown so she could be 70 i don't know that's true yeah but she there's no translation when i'm speaking she gets it um she gets my um what's the word my societal not societal my social references you know what i mean mm. if i'm referencing a movie or something like that or something going on and oh. she understands things like that you know, there's no. I don't have to explain shit to her. She even when she's trying to explain something to me, and she's bringing up something. It's things that I know. You know right. what I mean? Um, so I feel like we're both about, um, we're both millennials, obviously, and so that's helpful. I hadn't even thought about that because my therapist is older, mm-hmm. but I realized like I don't have to explain. You know, what I'm saying like social references and stuff to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's black. I don't know how old he is. I can tell he's um, older because even kind of like because he always telling me I'm so young. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you're only 31. Like, that's like one of his favorite mm-hmm. things to say. Like, he's like, yeah, but she doesn't. You're that 31. To me, so that's how I kind of feel like we're <laughs> um, He's like, you're 31. But just because, yeah, I be trying mm-hmm. to do all the things. He's like, you have time to do things. Um, he's like, you know, I'm older than you, but I have time. You know, so that kind of thing. I don't know how old he is. Um, he could say he was like I, I would say maybe he's 50 he might be 70 I don't know he ain't got no wrinkles 
He got so honestly, if he like if he dyed his hair, I wouldn't know because like his hair is gray. That's what gives me a cute, a, you know, a clue that he's older. Um, because he ain't got no kind of wrinkles. But anyway, um, yeah, that's important to not have to like, um, to not have to basically teach your therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're making references and they're not getting them, then you're having to teach them, and I that that ties into um like competence, like the competence of your therapist to be able to work with you. Mm-hmm. And so with yeah, my therapist is definitely older, but um, I don't have to explain. And I'm, you know, and this is something we both I think you do more than me, but. Um, in terms of like joking, joking through certain things or like joking really partially as a defense mechanism. But like even when I crack jokes or I say, look, like he's not like looking at me crazy mm-hmm. and he can like respond right back, you know, to me. Um, And like just being like witty, like he's very quick. You know what I'm saying? So I'll say something. He'll be like, he'll be right back, you know, with me type of thing. So um, that's important because if I had to like teach him to be my therapist, like that's draining. I'd be like, OK, I which is just- I think. Part of the reason why I definitely wanted a black woman there is mm-hmm. I thought I would might have to teach somebody, but I haven't run into Luckily. that issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's been nice. Um, she gets me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I mean, it does matter, you know, um, to have to be able to because therapy is a vulnerable thing and it is work. Um, so to be able to. um have a facilitator um, <laughs> who can relate to you and all that kind of stuff and who you feel comfortable with. It makes a huge difference. You can't do the work. Um, an, an issue I had in the past in terms of trying out therapy was just that I felt like there was a disconnect. Like I didn't feel like that person could fully relate to me. So certain references I would make, they would not understand. And I felt like too much of my energy was spent trying to just, um, cultivate like a baseline for us to operate from Mm -hmm. and so if that's if i'm doing that work then i can't actually do what i'm there to do so i leave out not feeling like i've done anything um meaningful for me and my health and my you know wellness or whatever so um and ain't nobody got time for that so um i'm grateful that that's not the situation but um you know i i see a lot of Okay, a couple things like I see a lot of folks, um, a lot more people, especially our generation, um, millennials, gang gang, a lot of our generation who are um, going to therapy and being very vocal about it, not hiding. You know, what I'm saying the fact mm-hmm. like it's a, it used to be taboo to say that you went to therapy or you had a therapist. Now it's like this is a common topic of conversation to be like, yeah, so my therapist said, you know, people reference their therapist. Like they were referenced like, oh, well, my friend said this or my mom said this without anybody looking at them crazy because it is not an unusual thing to be in therapy. Um, And that definitely used to be taboo. But the other thing is I still see a lot of the rhetoric that, oh, well, you know, you know, black folks don't believe in therapy and, you know, you just got to go to church. And so there's a lot of that that has to be unpacked. Um, But I just want to say that there is a lot of valid mistrust of the healthcare system from black people. Um, so I don't want to minimize that. I absolutely think mental health care is imperative, but I also think that, um, people have, there's still some, you know, like a long way to go for some folks. And I think that it's like some, for some people who do have apprehension about going to therapy, um, about seeking out healthcare in general, that is valid because we have in our history been used as fucking guinea pigs by the healthcare system we're seen as like we don't um we have a higher pain threshold we have this you know um 
we can withstand anything. Um, oh, it's not as serious. We're exaggerating when we express like what we're going through. Um, and then you have a lot of mental health care providers who are not culturally competent. So this mistrust of the healthcare system is very deeply um, ingrained and valid as fuck. <laughs> so I try to keep that in mind um, with those people who are kind of like, oh, no, I ain't trying to tell them folks my business because that's not a, I'm like, that's not unfair. Um, and then we have a long way to go because, you know, it's been it's just a long way to go. But I am glad to see that, particularly with our generation um, and particularly with black women, um, we've been more and more vocal about um, seeking out therapy and stuff like that and sharing that with people. Yeah, I um, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. I when I teach classes, um, I mention it casually and I make a point to mention it, mention it casually like I have a time I have an activity about time until um you know if I one of the little lines I drop it if I had time more time in my day I might see my therapist more often things like that like casual mm-hmm. just drop it and keep moving like it's nothing you know what I mean um I'm, when I'm posting on Facebook, you know, things like that. Like, oh, I just might mention the cows. Like, it's nothing. I don't make a big deal out of it. Or I don't mm-hmm. make a, uh, what's it called? Soapbox mm-hmm. <laughs> speech about it. It's not, you know, it's just casual conversation, day-to-day life. It's not It's not a big deal. And that's kind of how I talk about it, even at work. When I'm talking to, oh, no, I'm going to my therapist after work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not... It's not some big... It's not a big deal. It's not something I'm But that helps of. to normalize, you know, it helps to normalize it because... And then too, for me, like in the field that I work in, you know, we work with a lot of um, people who do have mental health care issues and who do deal with depression and anxiety and PTSD and all this type of stuff. And a lot of my peers and I have um, some lived experiences with some lived experience with the issues that the populations we're working with deal with. So, for instance, we work with homeless people. Some of my coworkers have been homeless before. Um, we deal with, you know, veterans. I have veterans who are, co- you know, that kind of thing. So. I make it a point to mention, like when we talk about mental health, I make it a point to say um, I have clinical depression. I have, you know what I'm saying? To say, like to put a face to it, like, hey, this person that you work with every day, I am dealing with this. So this is not, it's not a, um, it makes it less other. This is not just them. It's not just them who going through this, you know, but it's me too. So um, I had a, um, I participated in like this convening thing um, not too long ago with some coworkers from, well, they're not my. Um, team, but we all are in the same role in different parts of um, LA. So we came together and we're talking and then this um, lady, she was talking about a client of hers. She was like, you know, she has depression. I don't know. You know, she, basically she didn't know how to like approach stuff with her because she's like, you know, she deals with depression. She has seasonal um, depression and blah, blah, blah. So she's talking. And so I was like, well, you know, um, I've dealt with, I was like, well, since I've been here, I don't deal with the seasonal depression as much. Um, I was like, I have kind of more so seasonal grief, but I have had, when I was in um, Georgia, I absolutely had seasonal bouts of seasonal depression. Um, And so I was talking to her about just like working with someone who's depressed. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you just kind of go to her and ask her what she needs and don't assume that, you know, or don't try to like dictate, just ask her what support she needs. And that's the best way to go about. So just, and I was like, you know, I understand as someone who has depression as well as as someone who has worked with people with depression. So being able to put a face to these things, they become less abstract or less like, Ooh, depression, anxiety. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Hey, these are people like, 
These are connected to real ass people. You see me every day. <laughs> like, hey, I am depressed. And I'm still, I'm here at work. Like, mm-hmm. I'm working. I'm doing the things. You know what I'm saying? So just to put a face to it, I think, helps to normalize it. And mention it casually, like Courtney said. I definitely do that, too. Um, and y'all already know, because I, I mention it a lot um, on the show, too. Just because I don't want to be ashamed. I can't say that I always felt like this um because i had a lot of a lot of feelings (laughs) uh, just about depression in general but um as i'm getting older and as i'm kind of just making my way i definitely try to make it a point to mention it casually and mention it um you know fairly frequently because to put a face to it Mm -hmm. like hey somebody you know deals with this Mm. that's deep that's courtney's favorite thing to say all right so um, that's cute wow um, all right. So I think that's, I don't know how long we've been recording. So, um, anything you want to add before wrapping up anything you want to see from BRQ in the next year? Cause this is the last episode of 2019. Whoa. So y'all ain't going to hear from me again until 2020. Whoa. So anything that you, um, yeah, you want to say? Um, I just want to hear more from myself. Um, I think it's, your show is sorely lacking in Coco episodes. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Okay. <laughs> really? They're... Simmer down. Yeah. Um, but no, you, you, you own it. You're running the shit. You're the boss. You know how you do. So I'm always behind you 1000%. Um, good shit, y'all. Love you, buddy. Oh, I was a jerk. <laughs> no, I am so, not a oh jerk. Oh my gosh. I have she has ten- jerk tendencies. Jerk tendencies but I am she is not, not a jerk. A jerk. She has you. jerk tendencies. She is not an asshole. She has asshole tendencies. I make asshole moves. Right. But I am not an asshole. I'm not an asshole. I make asshole moves. Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey. All right. Thank um. You. Okay, so... That's it. I mean, we've been recording for a while. I don't want this episode to be all ridiculously long. It's already going to be pretty long. Um, What'd you say? It's the last one. Yeah. Hopefully y'all will be all right with the length because it is the last one of 2019. So what I, um, I'm excited for 2020. I have a couple of things um, that I know that are coming up, but I ain't going to tell you until I come back in 2020. But I'll just say it's some BRQ stuff that, um, requires me to be actually in front of some people not just um on audio but face to face with folks and stuff so that should be cool and um i'm looking forward to it thank you for supporting the show and i need to not forget to mention uh, i am on patreon so that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash black rat queer b-o-k-r-a-d-q-w-r um i didn't forget (laughs) <laughs> so, um, I also, uh, contributions can also be made via Venmo and Cash App, Black Rat Queer, across all the things. I think that's it, y'all. I don't know. I don't know what to say. So, okay, there's that. Um, but thank you for <laughs> tuning in this year. It has been so interesting. Um, I've hit more than one milestone in this year. I hit 10K and 20K. And this year, so that's dope. Um, I got a few more patrons, so that's dope. And um, yeah, y'all are still giving me good feedback on the show, so that is also dope. So I'll be back um, with season three, January 2020. When it gets closer, 
to the date, I'll start, you know, letting y'all know, you know, kind of exactly when the first episode is going to be. But just know it'll be in January 2020. Um, and I want to say thank you to my producer for um, helping me to bring this show out to you all. Um, we both got a lot of shit going on in our lives, but she has um, continued to prioritize BRQ, which I greatly appreciate because it is my baby. And so I um, am grateful that someone else, you know, believes in it too enough to prioritize a lot of their time and energy into making sure that y'all get to hear it. So shout out to you, Charmaine. All right. So that is it for 2019. And um, until 2020, I'm out. Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javier Nicole. BRQ is produced and edited by Charmaine Fury. And the show's theme music was created by The Brothers Records. You can connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at Black Rat Queer. That's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. You can also connect with us on Facebook through the Black Radical Queer Podcast Facebook fan page or the BRQ Discussion Group. You can get Black Rat Queer merch on teespring.com slash Black Rat Queer, B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And you can leave a voicemail, call in, ask a question, those types of things on the BRQ Google Voice line. And that number is 937-601-8647. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.